0: Hello, everyone. Today we got Mr. Dan Feldman, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I know you're a registered dietitian, but I saw so many letters in your bio, and I don't know what half of those letters mean. So I'd rather you say it properly instead of me just butchering up.
1: So Thank you, man. I'll, I'll let thank you take it away, man. Thank you. I, I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, so um, I'm Dan. As, as you mentioned, I am a, a registered dietitian here in in, uh, in the United States. Uh, I also have a master's degree in, in human nutrition, I am a, a certified personal trainer through um, NASA. Uh, I have a insurance based private practice. Uh, so people, um, you know, in the, in the United States, you know, see me mostly through telehealth over zoom, um, and use their health insurance and I, you know, provide one on one consultations to help with their, you know, nutrition and such. Um, that's kind of my, my main gig right now. Uh, I also do work, as you mentioned, I, I work part-time as a researcher for examine.com. Really terrific website, especially if you're really interested in nutrition research or supplement research, staying abreast of the latest you know, nutrition and health-related uh, research, but maybe you don't have the time to read a bajillion uh, peer-reviewed research articles every month. So what I want to do with you today,
0: Nen, is just I'm going to throw like rapid-fire questions about things that I hear online, questions, and then... You can take us long as you want. Answering the questions, literally you want. Do you say next? And then we'll just move on to the next one. Cool? Sure. Yeah. Awesome, man. So first question. Artificial sweeteners, are they bad? Do they cause cancer? Is there any reason why we would have to avoid them?
1: Yeah. So artificial sweeteners are one of those things that are very much villainized in just the general media. I mean, if you Google like artificial sweeteners, you'll see all these websites or people saying how they will you know, give you cancer, they'll cause obesity, they'll cause diabetes, they'll cause Eisheimers, they'll cause ALS, they'll make you blow up, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll kill your children, you know, like, I mean, it's just like, it's crazy, and, and artificial sweeteners, first of all, a couple things, first of all, not artificial, like, artificial sweeteners is just kind of a broad term, there are actually a lot of different, sort of sweeteners that we might call non-nutritive sweeteners that, 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 <laughs> that don't provide a significant amount of calories. So some of the most common ones, sucralose or Splenda, Aspartame, um, Ace-K, which I the full name I believe is Assefaltame potassium, I'm, I'm mispronouncing that. Um, and then it's, it's not artificial, but uh, Stevia, you know, and then we've got... Um, Oh, it's saccharin. I forget the brand name of uh, of uh, the, uh, the might be NutraSweet or I don't know, but but saccharin. So those are sort of like the major ones, and in moderate doses, uh, you know, if, particularly if we look at human research, um, there there aren't really any major harms, you know, from using them. There is a correlational research, prospective research, you know. Just observational research looking at people over time, some of which suggests that people who use more artificial sweeteners or who tend to drink more diet drinks may have higher risks or or may be more likely to have, you know, obesity or other diseases. Um, But there's a pretty strong likelihood that a lot of that is kind of correlation rather than causation. So people who, you know, might have disease or might have obesity and other risk factors may be using these diet drinks to to reduce their body weight right or or people you know people who might opt for diet drinks rather than water who might want that sweet taste might also be opting for other sweet things in their diet so so there's that and then um you know a lot of people point to some rodent research that where you know they give rodents uh really really huge amounts of 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 these sweeteners and some funky things can happen um i know that some of that research has been uh debunked i know there was some research um some, some rodent research i'm forgetting the author's name um but but there was some uh rodent research from a while back that suggested aspartame was horrible and caused tumors but then there was a lot of kind of uh, there were there were a lot of criticisms about research, but um, you know when we look at particularly randomized controlled trials in humans, we don't really see negative effects. If anything, um, replacing sugar sweetened beverages with uh, non nutritive uh, beverages, so beverages that that don't really contain a significant amount of calories, does tend tend to help with weight loss. And there's not evidence does not suggest that it would. Uh, increase your risk or can- of cancer or other chronic diseases so that was a long spiel but
0: it's you okay you love the
1: sweeteners. yeah if you want to include some diet coke and and use some artificial sweeteners fine is is yeah.
0: there is there a, like an amount that a human a human would have to consume to actually put him or herself at some sort of risk
1: so there is um you know an an adequate daily intake of artificial sweeteners which basically is the um the the maximum amount that's sort of considered to save i can see if i can pull that up really quick but it's like an absurd
0: amount like 27 sodas a day or something like that
1: yeah yeah but uh generally to reach that um adi for these sweeteners the maximum amount that's considered um that that's that's very unlike it have any adverse effects you would have to um consume a lot of it i'm actually pulling up to see if i can uh see over here i'm probably not going to find it right on this it's okay but um but i yeah yeah it's, i can, it's, I can it's, research
0: and include it in, the, in, the, in the description if, if we don't find it okay. right now but yeah, it, it, I know yeah, we, it's a it's a it's an absurd amount, I think that that's like the main thing it's like we gotta we would have to drink a lot of diet sort or of consume a lot of like the actual sweetener too to yeah and, harm.
1: And, and and another thing just to kind of keep in mind, like if you're gonna eat a, a, or, or consume a like a, a huge huge amount of anything like that could cause problems when much with anything like I mean if you have twenty five apples a day, you know <laughs> you, you might run into issues there, you know same thing if you're drinking. 12 cans of diet soda per day, that, that, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't do that. Like, I just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I even, even if we don't have research suggesting it would cause cancer, like, just don't do that. It's just like, it, it's just kind of weird, you know? Um, but, but reasonable doses, like reasonable amounts. If you just, you know, you have a, a protein powder where they do might, maybe they do, often use sucralose or K. Um, you know, you include some it in your coffee, you know, or maybe drink some crystal light or something like that. I, I think that's fine. I wouldn't worry about it.
0: Perfect, perfect, man. Okay. Thank you. Let's go to the next question. Is sodium bad for you?
1: So, well, so, well, well, the short answer is no because sodium is literally essential for life. Um, you know, it's, it's an essential mineral. You need it to, to um, you know, it's, it's an electrolyte. You need that to maintain, um, Basically, to maintain, you know, uh, homeostasis in your body, for, for it, so, so you do need sodium. Um, now, more so, is excessive sodium bad? And I would say, probably, yeah. I mean, like you, you do want to limit, like you, you do want to be mindful of your sodium intake uh, to some extent, because you know, at least in, in sensitive individuals, salt-sensitive individuals, um, eating a lot of sodium on a regular basis you know, does tend to increase blood pressure. Um, Now, there there is some kind of, um, you know, debate within, you know, among nutrition experts, you know, um, I know right now the, uh, I believe it's the tolerable upper uh, limit for for sodium. Basically, hey, don't have more than this. It's approximately 2,400 milligrams of sodium, which is about a teaspoon of salt. Um, That's the kind of general broad recommendation. I know that for individuals who maybe have high blood pressure or have or are salt sensitive, um, I've seen it recommended to keep that more towards fifteen hundred. And it's one of those things where if you do eat a lot of processed foods, because processed foods do tend to be higher in salt, salt preserves things, right? Uh, it can be difficult to keep your sodium within that limit. There are probably a lot of people yeah. listening to this who might be very healthy and maybe are very, very fitness-oriented who are consuming a significant amount uh, more than that. So something else to keep in mind is, you know, our sodium requirements do kind of fluctuate depending on our climate, depending on how much we're sweating, um, you know, to some extent, how much potassium we're having because the the ratio of sodium to potassium is is important as well. So, um, you know, if you're someone that, that you do eat a lot of processed foods or you maybe go, you go through your diet, you go through, you know, if you're tracking a MyFitnessPal or something, you see you're consuming three, four, five, six thousand 6,000 milligrams of sodium, be mindful of that. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not going to like sound the alarm and say, oh, you're going to have a heart attack tomorrow if you do that. But that is something to be mindful of that you're having more than is recommended um you know if i mean if if you go to the doctor and your blood pressure is fine you know that's fine but but you know just just something to maybe be mindful of and if you do tend towards higher blood pressure then okay you might want to shift away towards some of those processed foods that tend to be high in so
0: that makes sense and i would say that also lifestyle factors would determine that like someone who's very active works out regularly trains and sweats while the training could probably get away with consuming a bit more than than the average recommended dose.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think that makes sense. And again, this is just another reason why it does make sense to you know go to your annual annual checkups with your with your uh, physician. If you do, if your blood pressure is is you know high, it's pre hypertension or hypertension range, um, then one of the first things you're going to want to look at is your salt intake, your sodium intake, along with you know stress, caffeine intake, things like that. So something to at least monitor. You know, I do see. And I actually once there was a time when I thought like, oh, like you could just eat as much sodium as you want. Like it doesn't matter, you know, and that, and that the the um you know the the uh dietary guidelines are wrong. But that's I was incorrect in that. And that's not true.
0: <laughs> so I think that if you if you listen to this and you're like, oh should I be concerned? I think the easiest way for you to get the answers, get a, 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 a blood pressure machine from Amazon and just measure it yourself and you can see where you're at and then you can make a decision about what to do or whether you're tortured. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Cool, protein. Is too much protein harmful for your kidneys?
1: Um, no, um, uh, yeah, no. Now, now the, other, the, the, the kind of caveat that is if you do have an existing kidney uh, issue, if you do have like chronic kidney disease, then you will absolutely want to limit your protein intake, um, you know, because our, our kidneys do process the uh, urea that is that is that our, our body derived from, from the nitrogen from from protein and, you know, if we are consuming a very high protein diet and we do have uh, some level of, of kidney malfunction already. Then we do have to be mindful of our protein intake to ensure that we don't speed up that decline in kidney function. Uh, However, outside of that, there have there's actually been a few studies by um, Jose Antonio that looked at like really high protein intake, like just like disgustingly high protein intakes, like like over three grams per kilogram of body weight. There was one that was I think four point four grams per kilogram body weight. That's a lot of protein. Which is yeah, that's like not a pleasant. Like I don't recommend having that amount. Like you're not going to be a pleasant person to be around if you're consuming 4.4 grams per kilogram of protein. But um, in these studies, at least in the short to moderate term, there there weren't really any 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 um, signs of kidney damage or anything like that. Um, so so you know the, so, so basically, no. If you have healthy kidneys, you should be able to your your kidneys should be able to handle a, a relatively high protein intake just fine. Um, you know, but but again, if you do have kidney uh, disease, or maybe even if you do have a condition that might predispose you to kidney disease, like type two diabetes, and it's not well controlled, you know, you might want to at least keep that in mind. You know, uh, but but outside of that, I would say eating a, a reasonably high protein intake. I mean, I know kind of the uh, classic recommendation for folks that um, do lift weights and want to gain muscle is the 1.6 to 2.2 2 grams per kilogram of body weight yeah. or you know if you would want to adjust that if someone uh is significantly overweight if you have healthy kidneys i think that that's fine.
0: Beautiful. Okay. What do you think about
1: detoxes and cleanses? I think it's okay if i curse. Fuck yeah. Okay. Um yeah, they're bullshit. Um i mean that's very kind of um straightforward there. I, I pretty much any time that someone says that you need to go on a detox, like a literal detox, not like a social media detox, but a literal detox or some kind of cleanse, they are pretty much full of shit. No pun intended. Um, it's, you know, our, our liver functions to basically detoxify any sort of toxins that we build up or anything like that. I don't see how going on some kind of quote unquote detox regimen, which usually usually, you know, involves I don't know, some sort of laxative or something like that. It's it's you might lose weight on the scale in the short term, mainly because you're just you you'll have a bunch of diarrhea and maybe you'll fast for a while and and then you'll 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 lose some weight there, but it's not going to have any lasting benefit. Um, same thing for some sort of cleanse. Those are really those, both of those words, cleanse and detox should be buzzwords, where if you see that, there should be a big red flag that comes up. Um, and it's, you know, probably someone's trying to sell you something that's a waste of money.
0: Yeah, man. Um just to rant off a little bit here. Um it's it's funny how a lot of the population just gets attracted to very drastic approaches towards diet, right? It's like they get attracted to like a detox or like complete, completely changing everything they do, like fast for week and drink nothing but water but when you tell them oh you just gotta slow your calories get a bit more protein just walk they just don't want to do that
1: yeah yeah it's the uh everyone wants kind of the 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 quick fix the sexy kind of like oh do this and and this is you know this is all you need they want the big secret you know they don't want the boring they don't want to hear the boring stuff which is yeah walk a little bit more eat more fruits and vegetables if you're looking to lose weight maybe consider tracking your intake i mean there's some nuance there but but tracking your intake to kind of see where your calorie intake is at and create a calorie deficit while focusing on protein and fruits and vegetables um that's really boring advice you know that's what works so
0: yeah who who you who do you think should not focus on tracking calories
1: um so it really sort of comes down to the individual. And I think this is where uh, a really good coach or practitioner or dietitian can kind of work with someone to say, okay, maybe tracking isn't for you. You know, I think there are certain personality types, certain histories. So obviously if someone has an eating disorder, no, they should not be tracking their intake. Um, In my opinion, uh, you know, if someone has a history of disordered eating, they, a, a lot of caution at least should be um, implemented there. You know, if someone already has these kind of disordered patterns towards food or tends to fall into a kind of rigid kind of all or nothing mindset towards food, you know, uh, it, it, might make, it might not make the most sense to just have another sort of external uh, metric by which they are sort of basing their intake on as opposed to kind of focusing on those internal hunger and satiety cues. So that's really the big one. Um, You know, people who may have that history of eating disorders or disordered eating, Um, you know, and then more generally, maybe people who just like are not good with numbers, you know, some, some people just like, just, just, just not for them, you know, they, they, they um, aren't, aren't really great with, you know, numbers and keeping track of stuff. Um, And some people, you know, upon working with them, some people just hate tracking you know what I mean? And, and, and I think we can both agree that the number, probably the most important thing for anyone that does want to lose weight or improve their health through nutrition is that they do so in a way that's sustainable for them. And, you know, I personally, I track my nutrition and I enjoy it. And, um, but, but But if someone really hates tracking their macros and hates tracking their nutrition, they're probably not going to have success with it you know and there's there's other routes that they can can um, go you know whether that means eating sort of consistent um, meals at consistent times, you know uh, focusing on like a, a lean protein and a, a source of fruits and vegetables and then you know assessing weight over time and adjusting portion sizes of uh, you know uh, uh, foods that might be a little bit more dense in calories you know like adjusting the size of their carbohydrate portions or fat portions or things like that um but yeah that's a long-winded way to say it's for people with disordered eating histories eating disorder histories or people who just don't enjoy tracking you know there you
0: there, go so if you if you fall into this category fall some on the recommendations that Dan just mentioned thank you for that man yeah um what do you think about the people that just want to eat natural foods natural so, foods
1: yeah so the the key the, the problem is there what does natural mean <laughs> You know, and that know. Kinda, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like I, what is like, like, what, what is that even mean? You know, like, they usually I, get,
0: they usually don't want to eat processed foods. I think that's part they want to eat like things that, that grills and then you pick it up and then you eat it like, yes.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, you know, on the one hand in just generally, if you generally tend to limit Processed foods, and you tend to eat more whole, unprocessed foods. You're probably going to be eating a diet that's lower in sodium, that's lower in, um, you know, uh, sugars or added sugars. That's going to be going to be less calorically dense. You know, um, it's you're you're there's a pretty good likelihood that if you that if kind of following that kind of regimen, that you will be eating a diet that just is more healthful because, you know, foods that are heavily processed do tend to be more hyper palatable foods, you know what I mean? Um, but there isn't anything inherently about something being processed or, or being further from its natural state that makes it bad. You know, kind of fall, it kind of goes back to the what they call the naturalistic fallacy, right? Um, you know, so, so that's really where I think people can kind of get things, kind of screwed up like they, they look at an ingredient label and they see some ingredients that they can't pronounce and they automatically assume that that is somehow bad you know um which is just not yeah just we couldn't i
0: probably wouldn't be able to pronounce the ingredients of a banana like it's probably a bunch of
1: weird yeah. stuff yeah yeah exactly and and, and i mean you know at the same time we do like some like people will be like oh this preservative that has this long name must be horrible for you well you know if we didn't have preservatives we'd have all this food that goes bad you know what i mean and some food processing is actually really beneficial like enriching um you know rice to create a i believe it's called golden rice you know which is uh, basically rice enriched with vitamin a you know that can really help prevent vitamin a deficiency in in a lot of other areas of the world you know or enriching um you know, wheat with B vitamins and, and like Foley, you know, that, that public health measure actually, you know, helped to prevent neural tube defects and, um, you know, among, uh, you know, pregnant women due to, you know, lack of uh, uh, sufficient dietary Foley, you know what I mean? So, so um, and we just kind of paint with this broad brush and say, okay, anything that's not natural is bad, then that causes issues because what defines what natural is, you know? Like if I get apples that are, that are pre-sliced, that's been processed. It's been, it's been cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so, or if I get, um, you know, milk, uh, you know, if I get milk that's been um, what's the word for, for pasteurized, I don't know, you know, if I get pasteurized milk, is that processed? Well, if I get, you know, because unpasteurized milk, you're, 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 you know, increasing the risk of foodborne illness, you know? So, so is pasteurized milk somehow bad because it's been pasteurized to get rid of stuff that can make you sick um so so yeah that's kind of that yeah i think it's kind of
0: i think it's kind of falls back into the same detoxes clean cyst niche a little bit and and something that i've seen and maybe you've seen this with people that you work with is that people want to go from eating like crap to i want to eat natural right but then they they do that they they eat more veggies they eat more fruits for a certain amount of time but they don't actually learn how to incorporate processed foods and that's part of your daily life and then they could just go back to eating the same thing they were eating and then they just gain weight again or just fall back into yo-yo dieting which is not ideal yeah
1: exactly exactly
0: cool uh what do you think about the carnivore diet and eating raw meat do you think Um, it's smart
1: okay so the the so eating raw meat uh the the question that i would have about it and admittedly i'm not as well versed in the areas of kind of like food safety and foodborne illnesses as, as a lot of other dietitians might be but i would think you're probably putting yourself at risk for salmonella and other foodborne illnesses by eating raw meat um i would just assume that's the case um so i would i even if you were going to follow a carnivore diet like why not cook it you know what i mean like what is what can be gained and I don't. I, just, I. I maybe there's something I don't know. But what what can be gained from eating raw meat besides you know like it takes time to cook it you know and I mean you know I don't really understand why someone would want to eat raw meat. Uh,
0: they want to live like our ancestors, but I think our ancestors actually cooked meat because they discovered yeah, fire. Yeah, they had fire. They had fire. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I don't
1: know about the whole raw meat thing. The whole now carnivore diet and and uh, it's interesting. I see like one of the the big kind of infamous people, uh, who, who, um, talk about it a lot is Paul Saladino, who is, there's a lot of words that could be used to describe him, but he, but, but anyway, i bring that up because now he says like, oh, like raw fruit. So he like includes fruit in there. So it's not really a carnivore diet. So I guess I would question like, if people are completely avoiding plant foods, I would not advise that. I mean, just you know, uh, people who pretty consistently, people who eat the most fruits and vegetables, uh, g- or in the highest quartiles of fruit and vegetable intake tend to have the lowest risks of cancer or heart disease, um, you know, uh, lowest risk of overall mortality. So, you know, unless there's some kind of intolerance or something like that, I don't see why you wouldn't want to include at least some fruits and vegetables in your diet. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so so in I wouldn't really recommend a animal-based diet for most people just because of the known benefits of plant foods. The like I said, fruits and vegetables, and there's a myriad of phytochemicals, as I'm sure you very well know. Um, you know, non-nutrient compounds in um, you know foods like resveratrol and grapes, right? That can have a, a lot of benefits, um, and it would be pretty difficult to on a carnivore diet and on an animal-based diet to get all your micronutrients now a lot of these carnivore folks do um for that reason they talk about eating a lot of liver uh because liver is actually very very dense in a lot of nutrients um so i guess you could do that and you'd be like okay but i just i just wouldn't really advise it due to the uh uh, probability that you're probably not going to be getting all the nutrients that you need. Um, I would question whether a lack of fiber in the diet, you know, what kind of effects that might have, particularly since, you know, uh, uh, fiber intakes and, and high intakes of, of plant foods uh, tend to tend to um, promote the growth of healthy gut, mi- uh, healthy gut microbiome. So um, I would not advise following like a carnivore diet or a pure animal based diet. Um, it's a really controversial topic. Whenever I post about it, people like some people from the carnivore community yell at me and call me an idiot and whatever, but, but those are, yeah. I would
0: encourage you to, if you, if you are considering doing that, ask yourself why, because like, why do you look better to lose weight? Like you don't need to do that to accomplish those things. Thank you for sharing your perspective, man. Um, what do you, does insulin make you
1: fat? No. So, well, so, so, okay, so, so insulin as a hormone, it does promote fat storage into adipocytes, which are fat cells. So it does that on a, on a cellular level. Um, it, in general, it promotes anabolism. It promotes tissue growth, right? Um, yeah. by, you know, uh, enhanced bodybuilders might take insulin, you take know, insulin. To, to increase the, the, the size of their muscles. So it kind of, so how does it
0: work? Does it, does it like take calories and nutrients to fat cells and, and or muscles that's so, kind of like i imagine it in like very simple language
1: so sort of so my understanding and i i, I might have to to I, I, this could be not entirely accurate um because these when i kind of go through these specific mechanisms sometimes i have to pull out my my um you know my my physiology textbook but insulin and uh, what it does is, is basically when, you know, we eat something that contains carbs or even like protein, but, but, you know, especially carbohydrates, you know, our, our, our blood sugar, uh, you know, will increase to some extent as it should. Um, and then our pancreas releases, um, you know, insulin. And one of the things that insulin does is it basically tells our cells um, you know, at least our, our, cells that are responsive to insulin, specifically muscle cells, fat cells, and I think, um, some cells in the heart as well, I could be mistaken there basically to, to take up glucose from the, from the cells, you know, Got there's, it. there's, um, you know, if we have, a, a glucose receptors or glute receptors in, in our cells and in, in those cells, you know, like such as fat and muscle cells, um, insulin basically tells them, Hey, glute receptor come up to the cell surface. And those receptors come up to the cell surface. They take that glucose from uh, the blood and then they bring it into the cell, right? So that's why people who, for example, people who have type 2 diabetes, they have insulin resistance. So the insulin, they have insulin. Insulin tells the cells, hey, like glute receptor, like come up. We need to get rid of this blood glucose or we need to lower this blood glucose needs to enter the cell. And that cell is resistant to insulin, right? It doesn't really respond appropriately. And then type 1 diabetes, um, would be when you, you, you are not able to produce insulin in the first place. Um, so by that mechanism, one could say, okay, well, if I don't have insulin, then my, um, you know, fat cells aren't going to take up nutrients. they're not going to take up glucose, fatty acids, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to, uh, gain weight. However, that's more so on a mechanistic basis because, um, in, in, First off, there are other ways in which our ad- adipocytes can take in fatty acids uh, like outside of insulin. That's not the only way. There are some kind of other mechanisms by which it can do so. Um, as evidenced by, by, you know, there, there have been studies where they do inject people with, with, or they they do give people like intravenous fatty acids and, and these adip- their, their fat cells are able to take up Um, those fatty acids, despite their, their insulin being at basal levels, right. Um, But, you know, when we're looking at fat loss or fat gain, like, like over a period of time, not on a, on a, on a molecular basis, but, you know, want to lose five pounds or 10 pounds or whatever, that's more so based on our, um, on, on what's going on over a longer period of time, right. Because each day we go through periods of, of, you know, storing body fat and releasing body fat, you know, and when, when we're in a period of fasting, which, which, unless we're waking up in the middle of the night to eat, we all do fast in the middle of the night, right? We are going to be oxidizing some of our body fat, you know, and then, you know, immediately after meals, you know, we generally are going to be, um, you know, uh, storing some of that body fat. It's really that net change over a long period of time that determines the fat loss and their fat gain, And that really isn't determined by insulin, that's more determined by the Overall energy status of the body, which is crazy enough. Well, you know whether you're in a calorie deficit or calories also for a prolonged period of time. So hopefully that that was. I know that was a little bit of a long answer, but hopefully that makes sense. That
0: it, it makes a lot of sense. So at the end of the day, it comes back to how many calories you're eating versus how many calories you're burning. Not yep. about insulin. Awesome. Um, what's the biggest misconception you see online when it comes to nutrition? That pisses you off the most.
1: That's a good one. I mean a lot of there there have been a lot of ones that have been discussed already, like you know, the artificial sweeteners and in have to go low carb because of insulin. Um but maybe one of the biggest ones is that there are good foods and bad foods, you know. And, and and I I see this a lot from clients as well, where they think that, you know, because they ate a slice of cake, well now they're going to gain body fat, right? And that if they just eat lots of chicken and broccoli, well then and rice, then they'll lose weight because those are good foods, right? That's not how it works, you know. I, and as as you you and and I'm sure your listeners will know, right? It 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 comes down to that total you know calorie balance, and then obviously we want to make sure that we are Eating an appropriate ratio of, my, of uh, macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats um, for you know, various reasons, and that we are eating a diet that provides us sufficient vitamins, minerals, fiber, and water, et cetera. But our body doesn't look at f- a food, and our body doesn't say, oh, that's cake. That's bad. I'm going to store it as body fat oh, that's broccoli. The nutrition god said that's good. So I'm going to burn body fat. Like, of course it doesn't work in that like that. Our body just digests and assimilates nutrients. Um, So does it make sense to, you know, much of the time eat foods that are nutrient dense, you know, probably are not super calorie dense? Of course, you know, and and, and what does that look like? That probably looks like a stereotypically healthy diet. Lots of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans, legumes, um, you know, uh, assuming they're not vegan, then you know lean meats and and, and, and eggs and and maybe some low-fat dairy and, and stuff like that, because those are the foods that are the most nutrient-dense. But you can obviously include some treats here and there. Uh, I call them fun foods rather than junk foods. Um, you know, as long as we're 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 ensuring that we're not um, you know in like a big calorie surplus or anything like that, that's fine. So so probably the whole good food vet versus bad food kind of mentality. Uh, is probably the biggest one because that all or nothing thinking that kind of rigid mindset is really what can lead people down that kind of cyclical dieting where they'll try and eat perfect I'm sure you've seen this with clients where they try and eat quote unquote perfect yeah 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 they for for however long few days and it's just arbitrary they define in their mind what perfect looks like like only natural foods like we said or only you know, foods that came from the ground, or maybe it is, you know, a vegan diet for them, you know, whatever, whatever. But, um, you know, and then they succumb to temptations, because they're not robots, and they can't eat that way forever. And then once they've had one French fry, it's like, okay, I've already cheated, I might as well have, you know, five Big Macs, and, and the whole thing. You know, yeah, so, so we want to get away from that kind of rigid mindset, I've I've posted this, this graphic on my Instagram probably about a dozen times where it's a food spectrum. You know, on one side of the spectrum, it's foods you eat more often in larger quantities, you know, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, you know, beans, uh, lean proteins, et cetera. You kind of know what that looks like. And then towards the other end of the spectrum is the stuff we eat less often in smaller quantities. That's kind of the approach that we want to use.
0: I love that, man. Thank you for, for saying that. Thanks, man. Dan, if someone wants to learn more about what you do, wants to see your content, I know you have a great Instagram. Post in the comments. Is there any other place they can find you besides your Instagram?
1: Honestly, Instagram is probably the main one for me right now. I do have a website uh, at stanfeldandrd.com. There isn't that's you know there isn't too much on there. Just a little bio, and if you want to you know schedule a consultation with me, you can do that on there as well. I'm slowly creating content on other on like. Uh, uh, TikTok and, and, um, uh, you know, some other platforms as well, YouTube, but, but that's kind of just very much in the work. So really I would say Instagram at Dietitian is probably the best place to find me right now.
0: There you go. Give the man a follow if you want to consume really, really good nutrition content, non-BS approach, and you want to learn how to do it properly. Thank you for your time, man. Uh, really, really had fun. I really enjoyed this and hopefully we get to do it again sometime in the future.
1: Excellent, man. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on.